podcast lounge. Francis Pimposo, welcome to the podcast lounge. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, so Francis, let's get into it. What just happened? We just together opened 2022's Global Institute. So I went up on stage. I warmed the room up. I told the story, as you heard, for the first time ever in my life of how I got into this career, into this role. And it had your name mentioned at least six times. So there were quite a few name drops, quite a few name drops. You, Steve Harmon, Mario Carroll, but then you, 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 because you and I really came into it together, into this field. You understudied Lisa Connie at Adobe. I understudied Steve Harmon at Cisco. And we called each other like, hello. Are you there, God? It's me, Margaret. (laughs) Are you there, God? It's me, Francis. And can we benchmark our programs? You remember those calls? I remember those calls. And honestly, that was a big part, I think, of just being able to, one, feel grounded in this career. And like it was something that was worth pursuing. Yeah. You touched on something in your opening speech where you were talking about how basically we would see Steve or Lisa going to like these amazing secretive book clubs. Yeah. And it was kind of the battery. It was like you couldn't get in because you weren't reporting into a general counsel. And that was all well and good. And it was great that something like that existed. But for everybody else that was kind of below the fold, there was no validation in what you were doing if you were on the right track other than like, talking to your manager. So being able to just benchmark and have conversations that were very transparent and frank and non-judgmental, which I think both of us are, really helped me feel comfortable just being in the positions that I was in and moving along in the career. And I think we've done that throughout our careers. So it's definitely full circle. Yeah. For things to make sense in us, I don't know about you, but for me, It's all internal first and I need to show it to people and get sort of community external validation. And then that's how I carve my path forward in life, period. Any career choice, it takes that kind of yin and yang of it all. Well, I think too, you're kind of the extreme too, because you are a performer. That validation, whether it's from like music or any of those things, that's pretty innate in who you are. Yeah. I think external validation is key just from like your peers to be able to say like, hey, what do we think about this? Am I stepping on toes? How can we just tag team so people aren't feeling like they're just in this wind tunnel of a hole by themselves trying to create legal ops? But honestly, like even just through career stuff or what people are going through, I think it's very helpful to like have a community. And that's really what your speech and what I was talking about really is just validating. We have a community. People should tap into it. Not every day is going to be perfect. And you never know what people are going through. You may be meeting someone on their worst day. You may be meeting them on their best day, but it's a moment in time. So give people some grace. Yeah. So I think that's just important. I love that. And you and I were talking backstage. You and I have always connected and sort of this changing landscape in the world right now that we live in where we're looking for more connectivity, human feeling, emotion, empathy. When we first connected, it was very intellectual, analytical brain, and I was cranking you through slides, but I was seeking an emotional validation. And then when I think about when you and I started to really become friends, 
I think it happened at Simple Legal's clock dinner in 2017, maybe. We were sitting at the tables. We were having really fun table talk and we're like, okay, what's everyone's top three shows? Do you remember this? Yeah. And when you told me your number one show was Love and Hip Hop, I was like, the end, everybody. (laughs) And we're in and our language even crossed over into borderline hip hop vernacular. Yes. And we've never looked back. I couldn't agree more. And I think it's, it may be a surprise to some people, but I only listen to rap pretty much. And I felt like a kindred spirit connecting with someone that was killing it in legal ops, very poised, put together, well thought out, technical, but then also just really appreciated some Yeezus. And it's nice to be able to connect with someone at work and just at a personal level. It's a silly point to make, but it really does just make a difference. Nothing is silly about hip hop and our kindred spirit connection over it. And I feel like we can benchmark anything, go deep on anything, hard skill, soft skill. And I can even show you how I studied J. Cole's solo rap in 21 Savages a lot. I mean, that was the track of uh, 2019. And you can appreciate my, the full self of me a lot. <laughs> well done. I think that's a really important point. We talk about all of this with Clock being this amazing community. But there's only so much you can send over the intellectual highway. And I feel like the more we can get to all know each other in this way, the more that if you're a guy or a gal show of one legal ops and that small new company and you're just turning the corner with your general counsel and you have no resources yet, guess what? You're alone in the dark, but we want you all to feel like you can connect and find others and have that rapport, that backing, that everything that you and I had in the same title, same role, Adobe Cisco. And I don't know, it makes the world a little smaller, at least for me. I couldn't agree more. And especially I think like coming out of the pandemic and what everybody has been through, there's nothing wrong with saying you're overwhelmed or you don't know what you're doing because everybody's been there. And the reason why, at least my opinion, that clock really exists is for that exact reason. But it's also for people. Everyone is human. Everybody has things going on. Just if you think about like people going to this conference, this is the first conference I've gone to since the pandemic. Yeah. For many of us. For a lot of people. That's different. Yeah. I'm introverted. Yeah. So like, It's amazing, but it's also something that is different that I haven't had to do in a while. You have people coming to the conference that are like, it's the first time they've let their kids at home. There's so many things going on that you just don't think about. We're all people and we're all showing up here. So I think it's important that the clock board kind of made an investment to highlight just the connectivity and people that are connecting about their jobs, which is great, but also like just connect as humans. Exactly. And calibrate to one another. It sounds like that's what you're speaking about. This EQ as in not emotional quotient, but the audio EQ, like EQing all together. We all come together as one. And we really took a tacit move in the direction of 
a soft landing into the conference. And so let's touch on that a bit, Francis. We had Robert Fogarty and what's called out there in the world, the Dear World Experience as our keynotes. And he opened us up and he's done this at many companies and is honestly and obviously pro. But he talked about the power of storytelling, connecting people, where story comes from, why it's so important and how we access a little bit of ourselves so that we can understand a little bit about someone else. And that was the tone and timbre he opened with. And then he brought you up as our first sort of story on display. And you got to tell a personal and powerful story. And I roped you into all of this. You weren't even going to come to clock. So tell me about the experience. How'd you go from no to yes, other than me persistently calling you? So yes, Jen roped me in, but I do think that this is something that's really important is like clock has made a huge impact on me. Yeah. So I honestly view it as not an obligation, but if there's something that I can do or like I can be a guinea pig for something, I kind of owe it to do that. Even if it makes me really uncomfortable, Robert and his whole initiative is amazing with the brain tattoos and working through that process and honestly going through it. I'm an emotional person, but I think doing that at work and being in like legal ops mode those two areas don't normally intersect for me. So it was a very interesting experience to try to like... To intersect those parts and integrate those parts. And I think it's important to do that, but it was also probably one of the more uncomfortable experiences I've gone through just because it's not supernatural to me. But that being said, I think it was a great way to open up the conference. I hope that like by me kind of peeling back the onion a little bit and showing like, hey, some people may think I'm a mess. I hope they don't. But I had this mess of a situation going on. And I would assume that most people didn't know that. So I think I never knew that. You come across as a strong, confident woman. Even those first calls, I'm like, she's got it all together. I better show her that I do too. I appreciate that. But I also like there's a give and take to that. So there's a self-awareness where that's probably something that I could improve upon because that's not like the vibe that I want to give off. It's more of probably a defense mechanism. Sure. So yeah, but I, I mean, overall, I think it was a great experience. I think Robert really knows what he's doing. I was a little hesitant at first, just what I heard about it and how personal it was going. And I also didn't want to go up there and like tell something that was fluffy and inauthentic. I think it was really important to go through the exercise and be vulnerable and like make myself uncomfortable because it was something that's needed to cue this up. Being uncomfortable has a bad rap because it's uncomfortable and we naturally recoil from pain. But what people I think miss in their career development, their professional development, that being uncomfortable is where all of the growth actually happens. I am uncomfortable at work in my role. And I tell people at work this at Netflix, 81% of the time I am uncomfortable because what I'm trying to do hasn't been done at Netflix before. And sure, I've started legal ops or tech, the real tech portfolio at Spotify, you at Lyft. And we understudied it all, advanced legal ops at Adobe and Cisco, but it's still new. It's still a new pioneering path. 
And my skills are still developing to get Netflix there. And I got to get up in front of my general counsel and take them through something we're working on. I'm uncomfortable. Those leaders are seasoned exec vets and I don't have 10,000 hours on that presentation. Yeah. When you think about what music performers do, they get up at about three and a half minutes a clip and they're singing their soul, their feelings, a horrible experience, a wonderful experience, something abstract, something very detailed or literary. And we're taking people through some story with a beat and a melody beneath it. And we do that over and over and over and over and over again. And to be prepared to deliver that song, you do a lot of rehearsal and you're rehearsing the story in you until it's second nature and you can do the lyrics without even thinking like you're on autopilot. You're so integrated with your story and everything you're saying to me reminds me of that process. And it's something we should all steal from that industry because it's not just performance. It's a two-way street. It's an integrating my shy self that I'm shy when I first get into that new corporate environment. I'm in shock. But the more I can start, I know my story and then can weave it to them and show them who I am and then start weaving them into the story of transformation. Yeah. Of innovating something at work, taking them forward, learning forward on something. And then, I don't know, in time to me, they become, they are legal stakeholders. The legal departments were also of service. They become the heroes of the story. It has to start with you and integration with you and being able to kind of figure eight back out to them. You're nodding profusely. What do you think about that? No, I mean, I completely agree. I especially think in order for something to be truly impactful, people have to be able to relate to it, understand why it affects them and why they should care. So, I mean, you're touching on a point here about like connectedness, but it's also about change management. This is the kernel. Of yeah. That. Go on. So I think change management really is about getting people to be bought in. How are they stakeholders? And then how do they come out of it? And it can come off kind of manipulative when you say it like that, but like, how do you get them involved so they care? So then they are really the heroes of the story and they kind of think it's their idea because they were in on it and they come to this realization on their own, but you're guiding them along that path. Exactly. You just nailed what our real jobs are. It's being of service to the story being well-seasoned professionals that can tap into our own vulnerability, story, past, present, future. And when you can do that, you can walk into a room of new stakeholders and flip it to them and do that with them and earn their trust and earn their followership to the next milestone on a project or show or whatever it is, and then shift the spotlight so they become a part of it. And then they become the center of it. And we're just in the back operating the lights and everything. And they're out front. I think we forget that sometimes. Look, we get to come to this conference and all be in the majority. Yeah. Which is very rare, especially. I think there are things that people still deal with, like being in a legal department. I'm not an attorney. And I think that sometimes... Did you ever want to be an attorney? I had a point in time... Nobody's listening. Yes, I did think I wanted to be an attorney, but I actually, while I was at Adobe, used it as kind of a listening tour to ask people about, what do you think about this life choice that you made? Are you happy? Uh Like, how's your marriage? You did some due diligence, as the attorneys say. I did some digging. 
And a lot of people were very happy, but I think that I found what really motivated me was making things better and creating change. And the thought of living in a Word document and doing negotiations, I have to put this out there for myself for self-disclosure purposes. I'm the worst negotiator. I literally will give you my best and final when I walk in. And if you don't like it, I'm out. That's the worst negotiations. Yes. So don't bring me to buy a car with you. I'm not that person. So I feel like that's a skill set that's really needed with attorneys that I don't have. So out of self-awareness, I chose not to go down that path. But I do think that like coming to clock, this is a community of people that are going through the same things as you. They're in the same roles that you're in. It really is kind of a breath of fresh air, especially if you kind of feel like you're the non-majority in your role, whether it's a small legal department, whether it's in a law firm, even if you're in IT working with legal this is kind of a breath of fresh air. And I think people should take a moment to like appreciate that because that's what's going to motivate you next week when you go back into the role to have this refreshed sense of what's going on, people that you can tap into and just kind of the energy to keep moving. Energy, my favorite concept ever since I moved to Los Angeles. I say energy at least 25 times a day and I may or may not have crystals on me in this room right now. To be revealed later. You're touching on so many points, change management, earning trust, vulnerability, storytelling, making our legal stakeholders the center of the universe, because that's what it's all about. And being of service. I love that theme. I think it's really powerful and something we'll take forward. So Francis, any closing thoughts? What are you most looking forward to with the remaining time you have here in Vegas? The remaining time in Vegas, I am honestly just looking forward to taking a deep breath, knowing that I completed the mission and just engaging with everybody that's here. Yeah, that's really all I'm looking forward to. It seems simple, but it's a big deal. Well, sounds like music to my ears. Francis Pomposo, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and for being a part of our opening storytelling session today. You crushed it. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it.